Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy, as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website, as well as on this podcast. My guest is Linda Reinstein, founder of the Space Games Federation, which is the first governing body for competitive sports played in zero or microgravity. And Linda, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom, so much for having me. Happy to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's just start out with the basics and talk about what the Space Games Federation is. Oh, can I give you the legal mouthful? Um, <laughs> Whatever you, this is your half hour, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> we are the internationally registered intellectual property. Space Games Federation is the international governing and sanctioning body for competitions played in zero and microgravity, cislunar gravities, sports in space, played by astroletes in equal space, more challenging than anything on Earth. That's the pitch. And what does that mean? Basically playing sports in zero and microgravity. Um, sports in space is equal space because the absence of gravity truly levels the playing field for the first time. So um, there's a lot of questions around where you wanna go and how it wants to go. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I promise you I don't have COVID. Uh, <laughs> However, I know a lot about of it. And if you realize sports actually was one of the first things that came back after COVID. Mm -hmm. So sports is a unifier in many ways. And it's been divisional and gender and all that, you know, over time and most recently. So what space brings you is equal space. And sports and space means it doesn't matter whether you're man, woman, gender, race, able or disabled, we can all play sports in space. And even I would have a vertical leap. Uh, oh, very good. Yes. Oh, oh, Tom, you would have a very easy vertical leap. And it's really talking about vertical leaps. It's how you move your mass and make sure that vertical leap doesn't hit the ceiling. You've got, you've got to be able to stop at some point. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, there is no sport, if you think about it, that is terrestrially played that can be played the same with the same rules of play in zero microgravity, bottom line. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning at breakfast, <clears throat> excuse me, and I mentioned that I was doing this podcast with you, and he said they should, they should do high lie because it's dying in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we could do highlight, but that's going to have to be on one of the playing fields that doesn't have a lot of electronics in it because balls on things like space stations that aren't controlled and get into a frantic play can, you know, kind of ruin your day if it hits the wrong switch. Um, <laughs> Might put that might put that space station out of orbit again. <laughs> yeah, it could do a lot of different things, you know. Uh, so you know, 
when I'm saying sports in space, I, I'm not assuming we're playing in things that are, you know, we will, we do have some activities and sports to play on the International Space Station that have actually been um, approved for safety for them. And hence, I kind of know the whole safety routine, depending upon what space station, mm -hmm. you know, or what um, extra version of a space station will have, you know, like a uh, nano rocks has their, you know, extra part, it's sitting up there. And, you know, right now the Bigelow is being used as a storage compartment. So, you know, when you think past the, the, what you see as the space station, that's, that's what we're talking about when we say sports in space. Linda, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this. Oh, loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that uh, the gift and the curse is probably nepotism. Both of my parents came from um, the, the entertainment and news businesses. Um, and I grew up, I, I grew up basically, my father was the NBC News executive and producer for um, all the space shots between Mercury, Gemini and Apollo. Um, there was no internet, there was no mm -hmm. FaceTime, there was no Zoom. Um, so we had to travel to the various news events my dad covered. And since he covered all the space events and bottom line, it's as you know, and because it still is a very small community, I was the age of the astronauts' kids um, mm -hmm. and just old enough to be their quasi babysitter. Um, so I learned about space truly as I got up and close and personal and these stories that are being told every day. Um, you know, everything from Apollo 13 to all the stories that are told that Tom Hanks does so well and mm -hmm. Burns. So um, my father, uh, Fred Reinstein, was not only uh, my mentor, he was a visionary, an entrepreneur, and a darn good businessman who I was lucky enough to work with. Um, past his years at NBC News, he went on, believe it or not, to work for the Republican National Committee um, mm. for Nixon's reelection campaign, of which my first job at 13 was as a production assistant. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here I am learning politics. Uh, because I, again, with, with my father as my mentor, uh, he moved out of that and went as a visionary, he said, you know, film editing is going to change and news is fast and live. Um, so he ended up buying an editing system that was like the first cuts only editing system using tape. Um, and I was a slave. So as slave labor, um, I was the first one to learn whatever it is he bought. Seriously, if it was a tape machine, oh, she'll do that. If it was something to type on, my daughter will come in and learn that, which was a gift because these at the time were very expensive pieces of equipment. So I also had grown up along, around space. So I knew how important technology was. So that being said, um, my dad went into, then he went into buying things like the first rights to NASCAR and Formula One racing. So, mm -hmm. right. So again, my daughter will figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of faith in you. Uh, blessing, right? I mean, looking back, he has since passed, but what a gift. And, you know, my other mentor was Gene Cernan, the last man on the moon. So you take 
all this put it together. Um, and I think realistically, I beat the cancer and I came back and it was like, am I going to do work for hire and continue that, which I have a very successful career in? Or am I going to do something meaningful? Um, and to me, sports, because of being, try to be politically correct here, but it's basically a male dominated world, just like space. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I've always seen that um, you growing up in space, I learned it was equal space and the absence of gravity. That was the one thing. So I called uncle Gene as I used to call him. I was a child. He's not my uncle. He's, he's a, a man that was very close to me. I called him up and I said, Hey, uncle Gene, I'm going to take sports to space. How about, what do you think of it? And he says, I think it's a great idea. We already do it. And I go, well, I want to organize it. He goes, that's exactly what you should do. And I go, awesome. Can you be a part of it? He goes, oh no, I'm dying. I want to finish my movie. You'll come to my funeral, but I'll introduce you to the right people. Swear to God, that's an astronaut. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Here's how it is, girl. And let's just go. And um, so I don't know if that helps give you why I actually ended up here. Um, no, certainly. That, yes. That that's kind of that's the story of of this founding in 2014 of sports in space and then finding the fact that running a business, the most important thing you have is intellectual property. Someone often hired a good attorney that came from the aerospace industry and the patent office and he went off and got us the intellectual properties. Now, you've put together a large team of advisors and contributors. So tell us a little bit about who's on that team and, and what they bring to the table. Oh, another loaded question. <laughs> well, okay. Gene Cernan being one of the first people I brought to the table. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and why? Because he was an astronaut and knew everything. And he also had a saying that motivates me to this day and motivates most of the team, which is the more dreamers you have, the more doers you have. Um, and, you know, whenever I was being a child, um, he would say, so what you dreaming about? And I would tell him whatever. And he goes, so what you doing about it? Better get your, mm, you know what, and go do it. So that was how teamwork makes a dream work. And 40 years in the space business has only personified that to me. Um, so basically, took and built our advisors around the fact that this is not about me. This is not about one person. This is about the future of sports and sports in space and having the opportunity to actually do it again. Don't I think what was mm -hmm. it? The Romans started or the Greeks started it and it went away for a few hundred years and it came back and then it went away again. And, you know, sports has been a, a unifier and, and competition, healthy competition that doesn't involve um, shooters or shooter games or things like that, right. I think is still a very important opportunity. So that's long to say what our advisors. Okay. So Sherry Belafonte has been a friend for years. Okay. Her father was a singer why do you always say Sherry Belafonte well Sherry Belafonte went to 
Carnegie Mellon as a journalism major, watch, worked in Washington, D.C., and space was one of her passions. Hmm. So she was like, oh, Lindy, we have to, yes, I'm on board. So she wants to not only be what we call a space caster, but she wants to be an astrolete because an astrolete, you know, somebody new has to play these games. So, you know, we first started with, as our team of advisors, got Sherry now, she can be a space caster and an astrolete. Brock Vereen, I happened to meet through, uh, you know, circumstances. And Brock had just retired out of the NFL as a professional football player because he was injured. Mm-hmm. Been a long conversation. And what I used to see in sports was you'd have your levels, you know, you have your A, A levels and you move on down. And, you know, not everybody is a Tom Brady making millions and billions of dollars. You know, everybody else is in, you know, middle income world. And if they injure out early on, that's it. Where do they do for 60 years? And if they haven't been educated about it and they've been fine-tuned like a military man, they are teamwork, they're competitive. So Brock was one of our first folks on board to say, would you like to be an astrolete? He's like, oh, I would love to be an astrolete. (laughs) And his brother, I don't know if you know too, um, Shane Vereen was also a football player. He too would like to to play. (laughs) And they both work in, Right now, Brock is a spacecaster for us, and he's also a broadcaster for Fox um, because he's got us, we got us him as exclusive for space, and he's terrestrially can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but, you know, so I, 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 we can keep going on and on. Um, as you, if you go to the advisors page, I've, we've got folks that we have a, a gymnast that's a physicist. We have a scientist who we, we try to put everybody that we can think of and we keep adding to it. I, I hope that gives a little bit. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the Equal Space Challenge. What is that? Oh, great question. Okay. So part of what we do is we are going to make, if you don't educate somebody, how are they going to play? We have rule books. We have what we call a playbook for any sport, which is how do you play it? So what we did is said, okay, hmm, it's all about fun. No, it's about sports and how we would play them in space. So basically what we did is we created the we created STEM edutainment, the space athletics playbook. Um, and we said, wouldn't it be great for the first time since there's no terrestrial sport you can play in space with the same rules that we gave an opportunity to the world to create a new sport to play in space. So basically what we did is we not only used um, our opportunity with having to look for a new sport to play in space, but also to use it as a STEM edutainment program with our educator actually out of Florida and a former um, NASA educator at CASIS, Mm -hmm. um, Nikki Hoyer came up with the idea of how to teach the kids about sports in space and do it terrestrially using simple things like mats and, you know, stuff 
drawn on the floor and these kids learned how a sport would be played in space. And what they did is they entered some sports in it, went off to a school and did a presentation on STEM about sports in space. And the principal said, ah, oh, no, you'll never get you know, maybe a hundred people. It's a STEM thing. Our kids are not into that. They go, oh, I'm going to bring an NFL football player off. That I'm going to get <laughs> that. And they, and we had 900 kids. Okay. Wow. And uh, of those two classes I'm speaking about, the beta testing and the proof of concept is we narrowed it down to our sweet 16. Seven of those 16 came out of those educational schools, okay, because they were mm -hmm. actually taught what this equal space challenge was. So an equal space challenge is just our way of basically identifying challenges so that we know that there's always somebody is included. So right now we're in the semifinalist stage of our equal space challenge. If you go online, you can see the awesome semifinalists of space dodgeball, shooting star, space ball. You know, I didn't name it. We're probably changing that. Um, and Zero Gordian. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit next about Noble for ISS. Is that how you pronounce that? Oh, it's funny. Guess what? Siri wanted to tell me how to pronounce it too. She just came online. I swear what it said, tell me about. <laughs> like, really? Okay. I can tell you about the Novo for ISS. Okay. I'm not sure if you know, off the earth for the earth has been a saying at NASA for years. And it's what the International Space Station was actually founded from. Okay. Um, why do I know this? Because let's let's reverse and rewind back to the first part of this podcast. I sat in all these meetings at NASA because that's where my father drug us to. When you're sitting at a table and he's the newsman and they're discussing the, the, the building of the International Space Station. First, what it was at Star Lab. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very bad at all the historical, so please forgive me. But, you know, thank God for Google. You can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me I'm wrong. But anyway, you got Star Lab and you got Space Station. Um, and so they're all sitting in a room, you know, a bunch of, I, I don't know, big wigs. They had stars on their shoulders and they were important, you know, because don't forget at this time, the military ran NASA and you right. couldn't be an astronaut unless you had been in the military. And primarily you needed to be a fighter pilot. I mean, that was kind of, you know, Uncle Gene was a fighter pilot. Um, so I remember it so vividly. The astronauts are saying, Cernan's in there. I can't remember a couple other astronauts, the reporters, and everybody's going, so what if there's a war on Earth? What'll happen? Where will everybody go? Um, you know, you got Canada over here, you Japan, and the guys, you know, and they go, oh, well, everybody would just go to their own pods. And so, you know, dead silence. And one of the astronauts says, well, that'll be great because someone will be breathing, someone will be eating and we'll all be dying because we rely upon one another to work together. And if we don't, we're all dead. So at which point everybody looked up and went, ugh, I guess <laughs> we need to form some kind of off group or off political arena and there is a group that actually runs the international space station mm -hmm. politically apart from everything we hear that's going on down here okay and they've been doing that for 20 years if the if there is anything that deserves a nobel peace prize it's the international space station 
I mean, these people just sent three Russians up with a bunch of Americans where atrocities are happening on earth. And guess what? They showed up in Ukrainian outfits. Okay. Mm. You know, it's not about them. It's about them working off the earth for the earth for every country. So hence, I'm on a mission to find a Nobel Peace Prize for the okay. International Space Stations. Can you tell you hit a passion point? <laughs> I certainly can. I'm talking with Linda Reinstein, founder of the Space Games Federation on the Xterra podcast. Take a minute right now to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Linda, is the um, the Space Games Federation kind of the Olympic Committee of Space, or will games be organized beyond nationalities, sort of more like a sports franchise or some other type of classification? Okay, well, I hate to say this, but yes, on all accounts. Okay. Um, we, we, we dream big. And as I mentioned, with my past history, I organized more than one sport and uh, I've worked nine Olympics. So um, yes, I, I, I could just say yes and yes and yes. Look forward to it. So we always hope that sports and games are kind of a way to bring people together. And you talked about that a little bit, but but they also have a habit of becoming politicized. And we've seen a lot of that in, in recent history as well with some of the things that are going on with the NCAA and so many, so many other venues. So is that something that concerns you or do you have any ideas about how to prevent those kinds of things? Or is that all still a little bit too early to be thinking about? Oh, what amazingly wonderful question, Tom. And I worry about it every single day that I am awake. Um, because as this being a legacy play for me to leave something to the world that, you know, said, Hey, equal peaceful space, some lady did it sports in space. Fine. It's for the world. Um, we had a, um, G, uh, Georgia university, what George Washington, um, policy kid, write a white paper for us. And we have been shopping around DC about making sports in space. Um, and setting the policy for equality, no drugs, carbon neutrality. I mean, I also worry about the planet and I worry about space tourism and I worry about what we're doing for um, our ecosystem. And we go back to why the International Space Station deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, I mean, it's basically a society that is self-sustaining and has been for 20 years. And I'm hoping that the kind of policies we set will be good ones. And I hope that the government listens. Um, and that's another reason I'm working with, you know, people like yourself in the Space Tourism Society is that, you know, money is one thing, but the future is super important. And politics, yeah, needs to stay out of it. I, you know, again, I worked in Nixon's re-election campaign during Watergate. The shock and awe I have at this current time, you know, there's still a couple of people are still alive from Watergate and I've actually spoken with them like Dwight Chapin. I mean, you know, it's just, where are we going? Sorry. And it always changes. And it always will, Tom. And mm -hmm. the only thing we can do, as you say, is try and lay a foundation and see how long it can sustain what it is we do with humans. Well, I, I did a stint at C-SPAN, so I was- Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I watched a lot of that happening. And yes, it, it's the only thing that you can be sure of in politics is that it's going to change. Yes, and you can only lay a foundation and try and keep an eye on it. 
Absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned space tourism, and last year it kind of really became a real thing. So when do you think the first space games are going to start? Okay, well, that's a trick question. <laughs> okay. Guilty. <laughs> because realistically, the space games have begun because we've started a challenge. We've started mm -hmm. it. We've narrowed it down to five potential new sports to play in space. All this takes time. Um, space isn't easy. Space isn't quick. Um, space is dangerous. Um, uh, the gratefulness that we've had of not having anybody die is a thing I am grateful for every single day, knowing a few of the people that did die to get us here. Mm -hmm. um, so terrestrial, we're doing it right now. When do we fly? Well, thanks to the pandemic, um, that was a little, hello, how are we? Um, I can say I'd like to fly at least a sport by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year. Really that quickly? Um, well, again, we're back to, we're laying the foundation. And during the mm -hmm. pandemic, we taught a hundred students um, about, we put our playbook into action and had them create ball games first and then had them create games in space using zero and microgravity, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yes. We're going to play sports in space very soon. Will it be on the International Space Station? Will it be on a parabolic plane? Will it be on an Axiom, you know, addition to the space station? I don't know. We are in discussions with everybody. And that's the thing is that everyone thinks about, you talk about sports and they think about huge arenas and massive amounts of space, if you'll pardon that pun, to, to oh, be I able to play, to be able to play a sport. And I, I think that's, I think you're maybe going a, a little bit smaller scale because we don't have a space station right now that's big enough to accommodate a huge arena where people could play a sport like oh, football or whatever the, whatever the, the next generation of football in space might be. So yes and no, because a part of our sports in space is a terrestrial tie-in with the butts that are sitting in playing electronic games. Okay. We hope to be, you know, the metaverse is part of our, our opportunity. Um, so it's a smaller physical space, but that doesn't mean it's a smaller playing field. Okay. Um, if you think about it. So yes, on smaller playing fields, um, but they're flying around. So they kind of have to be smaller playing fields. <laughs> but when we get to the moon, don't forget, we'll be able to build stadiums, you know, and they'll be able to be different, you know, because you can't go play on the moon without a really big space suit. And that's a really expensive opportunity. That's like, you know, OK, we'll just hit the golf ball. That's about all we'll do, because what it's a billion dollar space suit. I mean, everybody, I, I'm very cognizant that sports in space has got to be safe. Mm -hmm. And again, we go back to, I have a lot of friends that have brain injuries from different NFL teams. I have people that can't walk from basketball. Um, there are things that happen that we knew about in sports and didn't tell anybody. Well, the good news in space is we know a lot more 
we're going to make sure we tell people what are, and more importantly, how can we help fix it? Right. Now, you're going to be one of the featured speakers at the Space Tourism Conference <laughs> in Los Angeles on the 28th of April. So that's coming up and it's right there in your backyard. Can you give us a bit of a preview of what you're going to talk about with them? You did work for Steve Span, didn't you, Tom? You helped you throw the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> I got to try. Okay, well, okay, I can tell you that we are probably most likely going to announce the winners of the first equal space challenge of the first sport to play in space. And whether it's a winner or winners, you'll find out. Um, and the next stage they'll be starting is simulations, essentially. Um, hence, I know hopefully we will be able to play God willing again. I don't have as much control on the time of play because of the terrestrial issues down here. Bottom line. So if I could play, I'd be playing today. Sure. Okay. Um, and Space Force is, is, has approached us and we hope to engage them for recreation as well because at, I don't know if you know, but the Armed Forces has an entire program for athletes and recreation. I did not know, but it's something oh. I need to look into. Oh, please do. It's amazing. <laughs> These guys are great. Um, they have they have all the different sports and we're talking about Space Force, you know, back to Army Navy games. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, I've said, well, okay, there's got to be somebody has to be doing that. We need veterans involved in this. We need the disabled. So Absolutely. That, that's, uh, that's my hope. How's that? That sounds good. One thing more, and because we're almost out of time, but I want you to look into your crystal ball uh, out maybe 10 or 15 years and think about space commerce and your role in it. And tell me what you see. Hopefully I see success, equality in sports, imagination reimagined, that science, technology, engineering, and math is no longer a bad word, but an exciting word, which mm -hmm. it is to many others in the world, um, unlike the United States. I'd like the world to, to see the, what is it, the outer, outer space effect that we read about astronauts. The overview effect? The overview effect, yeah, the great book that was written. And, mm -hmm. and I'd like to see that sports can be a unifier to bring us there. Excellent. Well, let's leave it there. That's uh, that's a good place to wrap up, Linda. Thank you so much. Tom, thank you. What a great fun time. It was. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to come back and talk with you again when um, when you get things, when you're ready to fly, then we'll come back and talk with you again. How's that? Hey, I'm ready to fly right now. So is the... <laughs> I'll come it's, back it's... I'll come back and let you know the first flight when it's scheduled. How's there that? There you go. And like who's I said, going to fly it and, and what network's going to broadcast it? If, if someone were to offer me a seat, I'd go tomorrow. And that's people think I'm nuts, but I'd go. You're not. You're <laughs> smart as all get out. <laughs> Linda Reinstein is the founder of the Space Games Federation. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. 
Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.